It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, okay. And the road. we know you feel, mate. This is rock and roll. Okay, welcome to the third Rock and Roll podcast. Uh, this week, myself and Stefan are joined by a good friend of ours who we share the love of rugby and random beers with. Uh, it's a guy who no doubt will be happy today that his Glasgow beat my Cardiff Blues last night, for which I owe him a beer. Welcome, Mr. Johnny McGinty. How are you, mate? I'm very good, sir. Thank you. Nice to be on in a week when Glasgow have actually won. <laughs> Thanks I for having me on in the Scotland game as well. Well, I say, so well, yes, it's like typical of this podcast that we book a Scotsman on the one weekend they're going to have a game. <laughs> I think we tried, to get a South Af- we tried to get a South African, but uh, Steve Diamond beat us to him. So. <laughs> Again. Hey, it's one less thing for me to be miserable about. It's fine. I, I thought you would have pumped him up more, though, right? This is like a ring walk. Like, this is, this, I think we got like full Apollo Creed in Rocky Four, like James Brown singing in a background. We could so Islanders fan. Obscure punk listener, craft beer drinker. Like he was doing, <laughs> we wouldn't mention the gronies, but he was doing rugby hipster before it was cool. He's such I'm not a non performist. He has sausage rolls for dessert. Like he's, he's, this is the guy. <laughs> I've got my 15 kilos of armor on as well, like Deontay Wilder. To, I'll use that to, <laughs> when, I, when my performance is shite, that'll be my excuse. Yeah, he's exhausted from the lifting, the, lifting his drink with a chainmail on. <laughs> While we're on the subject, so I can see you both got one. Johnny, what are you drinking tonight? Oh, well, actually, appropriately, St Andrew's Brewing Company Current Affairs. St Andrew's Day, St Andrew's Brewing. Blackcurt Belgian Stout. It's really nice, actually. That, that Enjoy is it. so Scottish, he bleeds iron brew. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and Steph, what have you gone for? Uh, I'm, I've swapped away from my usual beer that I would have, and I'm on uh, rum and ginger Pepsi Max. Nice. Ooh. Sounds good. Sounds good. I would show you mine, but I finished mine off. Mine was a uh, Malibu with pineapple that I'm drinking, but that's now gone. So, Well played. <laughs> so, um, obviously, we, we look at the 
the games from the weekend, first of all. Um, Steph, we'll let you start. Which game would you like to highlight on? Wales and England, or do you want to crack on with, with one of the others? Should, should we carry on with orders like you did last week? You were uh, you were pretty obsessed that we did them in order last week. I, was I, got, last told, week, yeah. I got told off for stepping out the line. I was last week. So let's start with the, uh, the New Zealand and Argentina game then. What did you make of that, Steph? Yeah, it was it was a bit of a crash back down to earth for the Pumas after you know two good results, a win against the All Blacks and then the draw against the Wallabies. I think it's indicative of the uh, the depth that we see of Argentina. A lot of changes and it showed, especially up front. Sort of scrum didn't function particularly well at all, not compared to what we've seen, and the lineup wasn't great. I think we've all got a little bit carried away, maybe the past couple of weeks of. Uh, the new dawn of the Pumas and they were back again and they were going to slay everyone in in uh, international rugby. I think it was a, a crashing back down to reality, really, especially in the last half hour, 20 minutes when the All Blacks become the All Blacks again and really put them to the sword. I think a cold light a day it on uh, Saturday morning. What about yourself, Tony? Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's like Steph says, the last 20 minutes or so, the All Blacks are bringing on replacements that are a couple of cuts above what Argentina had on to start with. So you get to that point, you're basically buckled, you know. They're, 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 they were out of the game before the replacements came on and then they were well out of the game once New Zealand emptied their bench. So it's kind of, it's what you, you expect from the Pumas. But right enough, you know, we've had a couple of weeks where like, look at the Pumas, if they've suddenly got all their shit together. It's like, hmm. Do, do, do. <laughs> <laughs> we've had a couple of false dawns with them in the past. I mean, there's yeah. been a few times where you felt like, well, this is this is the Argentina that we've always wanted. And then you give it a week or two, and, ah, but this is the Argentina. Yeah, they know. So, yeah. I think look, looking at it, I think that New Zealand bench, that could, those eight players could probably start for any other nation in the world. They'd all be like having someone like, I think I read a stat something the other day. Perinara's got something ridiculous like 70 odd, 80 odd caps, and he's only made seven or eight starts because he just comes off the bench. But to have someone with his ability coming off the bench with the last half an hour, 20 minutes, and then you add to that the likes of like people like Will Jordan making their debut, etc., um, to a Palotto coming on in the second row, they should be they'd be starting for other nations, wouldn't they? So just a fantastic um, I think it's just the All Backs being the All Backs. They were given two weeks to basically feel sorry for themselves after losing to Argentina. There was never, ever going to be anything different, I don't think. There it, it is, as you said, like stereotypical of the All Blacks. I mean, you look at the likes of like Kevin Mialamo, the number of times that he came off a bench and any yeah. other nation he's starting. Yeah. I mean, we see it so often with the second player. I mean, right back to you look at Gatlin never really getting a game because he's second choice and you're okay, and so there's only one of you. Mm. We've seen this so many times, and it's, it's never going to change. Is it, unfortunately? I thought this was going to be the um, this was the, going to be the, the start of you, Errol, in the uh, Will Jordan wank fest. I thought that was this was going to be the start of the fanfare because I that's never hear the coming. end of you talking about Will Jordan, so that's coming. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just think he's he's a player that at his age could be at the top of the game for at least the next 12 14 years. Like, he's what is he 20 22? He's he's easily got three three World Cups in him, isn't he? And for a winger, that's going to be he's probably breaking on like like the likes of George North did when he first came on the scene. Obviously, that young age, but doesn't look out of place. But then, 
we've now at that point where we're talking about how many World Cups and yeah, George North is there, but we're also talking about George North not being himself for a while. How many times have we had this this yeah. in the past with okay. yeah. an old Brad breaking through that suddenly the new Christian Colour and he's the new John Alamo, he's the new we could reel him off. He does actually yeah. look a bit, a bit like Callum as well, doesn't he? But especially with the wingers, I don't know what it is about all black wingers, yeah. but every couple of years it's like look at look at this great new winger, and then within about six months he's away. So fingers crossed it doesn't happen. I can't wait for Will Jordan to turn up for Toulouse in three years. What kind of That's See, while we're on this game, right? Can we just very quickly talk about the shirt, which was lovely, really nice touch before the hacker and all that. Yeah. It was great. Hashtag rugby values, all the fucking yeah. shit that goes along with that. Someone's got to find somewhere for that to go now. Someone at the ARU is going home, and it's like. I hate, I honestly hate it with stuff like that. You know, because I mean, you guys all have toured, you know, you go away on a tour and every club you go to is like, oh, we've got to give you this, we've got to give you that. You fucking come home with an extra case. No one knows <laughs> where any of it's going to go. Is this going to end up in someone's office? It's certainly it's bizarre as well, though. Such a because weird thing, I, wasn't it? Yeah, especially it's a football player being presented a rugby shirt from a country that he had no connection with at all. Yeah. I, I don't even yeah. know if he's ever been to New Zealand. Now, I don't know whether it was the way it was worded and I missed it on, and I misinterpreted it on Sky Sports News the other day, but they also said that the shirt was signed. Now, I couldn't see where it was signed. So if it was using a black pen, it wasn't written on the white. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it's on the front, but then you can't see the Maradona or the Baudos. Yeah, it it's always a bit bizarre, I think, as well. Like, people have got this idea of the All Blacks thinking a lot of themselves and whether it's true or not. But then every event to lay down an all-black shirt does sort of play into that narrative that people like to present anyway. And it, they don't help themselves, like the old thing last week with passing baggage along to one another yeah. or the <laughs> week before. And it's just like, you're not helping yourself, guys. Plus, you're not helping COVID. Fucking <laughs> 30 of you touching our handle. And you're not helping yourselves because you've just made more work for yourselves. Yeah. It was all downhill. One push would have done it. Yeah, just just carry your own bag. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's too. They've, uh... they've all been training. They never go to the gym, but they can't carry an old all. <laughs> um, obviously, after the um, after that game, then we had a few hours gap, and then obviously we had the uh, the England. Sorry, should I say the Wales v England game at Netley? Um, Johnny, as a neutral, what did you make of that? Not as bad as you all seemed like it was going to be. Yeah. <laughs> I think that there was, there's definitely positives, I think, for Wales. It could it could easily have been a lot worse. Could have been a lot better. But no, I, th- I mean, it wasn't the most enjoyable game to watch, but there was definitely stuff there that I was sitting watching thinking, ah, Wales have got something to build on here. I've been talking about green shoots for so long now that, like, it's like Gardner's world. <laughs> but <laughs> before I, I delve into that, because you know I will, you know I'll rant. Yep. You say about it not being the most exciting game, and it really wasn't. And I'm struggling to pick out games in the Northern Hemisphere that I've been. And it yeah. seems like we've been really, really poor at adapting to the new rack laws. It's like nobody wants the ball. Mm. We're back to that point where people are so worried about losing the ball. It's easier to play for territory and hope that you can turn it over. It's back to the days of the ELVs. Remember when it seemed like Lee Byrne was like the best player in the world for a couple of months before he started flogging Elizabeth Duke jewellery to cash for gold? <laughs> like, 
nobody wanted the ball. Everyone wanted to kick and chase, and in the hope that you could either win that contest or you could you could win the ball when it was down there. Mm. We seem to have got back to that point where yeah. the Southern Hemisphere teams went, this is great because it means we can play rugby, and all the Northern Hemisphere teams all went, well, I don't know if it's in our interest to have the ball, it's just fucking wangy down there. Yeah. When we get to the France Italy game, there was like 70 plus kicks from hand in that game, which is ridiculous. Kicking when it's perhaps not even necessarily on did lead to Wales's one try that seems to have been sort of forever coming against a tier one nation. And it was a charge down. I don't understand all the I, I don't understand why we even looked <laughs> at the, the replay, like as if charge downs were new. And <laughs> Uh, was it Austin Ely was making yeah. up rules on, on Twitter? Of course it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, couldn't, it can't be a charge down because he moved his hand forward, which definitely isn't a law. That's not written anyway. <laughs> I think I put the law, it's, uh, the ball is not knocked on and play continues if a player knocks the ball forward immediately after it's kicked. Is it, you can't move your hand. It's a lot harder to charge a ball down without moving your hands forward unless you're going to use your face. So I, I think uh, utterly bizarre moment. I just think like we touched on it. But I think, as Johnny said, I think a lot of people were expecting it to be a lot worse than what it was. Um, <clears throat> I watched the game obviously live. I watched it. Actually, I actually rewatched it again yesterday. But watching that game, it's a case of on the scoreboard, we're constantly in the game. But watching it, we were we were never really in it. There was like we had we had that England had. Didn't really create loads, but our defence was was fantastic. But then we created, I don't think, anything apart from the charge down. Like, and I, I think you look at that game and you think it flattered us. I think to be only be what was it, ten or eleven points difference in the end. Eleven in the end. Yeah, because it could have it could have been a lot worse, and everyone was expecting that to be the case beforehand. But I think it was a case of us playing better than what we thought, and England not being at their top. I think and that mixture made for a bit of a dull game and it was just a case of let's just get it done. We, we were never really going to threaten, I don't think. We didn't look like score tries apart from the opportunity one for, for Williams. So. Yeah, now, now you say that actually, I'm struggling to think back on the game and think of any point where I thought Wales looked dangerous. Hmm. And there was a couple of times where you, you watched England and thought well, they could probably score whenever they wanted. Um, but Wales just like, there wasn't, there wasn't a sort of there wasn't a sharpness about them where I thought that they were a dangerous scoring really at all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, again, the problem comes from there's two issues at the moment for me. One is we're not creating a platform at all. So, like, our lineout's not functioning. Our scrum, I'll move on to in a bit. When we're not creating the platform at the minute, which is really difficult to play from. And then, on the one, the, what, the few occasions we are creating something or moving forward or we've got the ball, like, our discipline is very, very poor. I don't know where that's come from. We've seen defensively, we were a lot more disciplined this week. Like that effect, I know that with Byron Awood, he was talking about like players having a little bit of autonomy. And I don't think you can in defence. Like you defend as a unit. Autonomy going forward is great. If you've got a player who can create something and, and do something and spots a gap and goes and takes over, then that's fantastic in attack. I don't think you can be autonomous in defence. Yeah, yeah, and I think we've that. seen it. Even quality defenders, someone like Tipperick, has been flying out of the line in games because to him, that's on, that blitz is on, and he's got the go forward to do that. He's been given the powers to go and do that. Mm-hmm. And then 14 players are not reading it. 
And so I think we're looking a bit more of a unit in defence. And we said about England, you know, perhaps creating a bit more, but didn't really create a lot. You know, when, when you, you look at the game, George yeah, Ford was... looked handy. George Ford created a bit. I think uh, he was stifled a little bit. A couple of times he created something and then England kicked it away anyway. So, but yeah, at the moment, the discipline and the set piece is absolutely killing us. And I know that you're going to mention Ryan Elias again because he's, no, your, he's your target at the minute. But, and then Elliot D come on and it did look like he showed up a little bit. We hit a couple and, and then two went wrong again. Yeah. So there's something definitely wrong. I think a lot of it is because we're trying to be so creative. We become overly creative. We're overcomplicating our line out. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those ones where part of me is screaming to just throw fucking front ball and hit the man and we'll we'll create something behind. But I suppose as well, you've got to be stubborn. And uh, sort of Wayne Smith talked about it when he was all blacks coach, that when you set out your plan and that's your plan, you stick by it and you win and lose by it. And eventually it becomes second nature and you you, you win every time. So it's just fucking frustrating getting to that part as the Welshman for me. That's like that. The thing is, that's fine sticking to your plan. But then when you've lost your hooker and you've lost your line-out caller, your plan shouldn't involve a complicated line-out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you could, your, your plan could be whatever you want. If, you, if your thing is, we're going to make a plan, we're going to stick to a plan, then make a plan that takes into account the fact you're missing the two most important pieces from your line-out and make a fucking simple line-out. And obviously one of our lifters being swapped around sort of every couple of games. We've had Reese Carey in there. We've had Wynne Johnson in, Nicky Smith's come in. We've got Rob Evans is probably going to come in here for the Six Nations as well. So when one of your lifters, your line-out caller and your thrower isn't nailed on, as you say, like, it's difficult to then go, right, we're going to play this really complex system. We'll see. And then there's, there's, there's poor decision-making as well, though, at times. I said this way, you know my feelings, and I said it last week, I don't think Lloyd Williams is an international. We had a moment of him absolutely just fannying on at the ruck again, for want of a better phrase. Like with a ball come out and he tried to kick it back in as if no one would notice. And then ultimately got turned over and it led to another penalty. It's led to us costing points. And we've seen it a few times in the appearances that he made, even though he came on and changed the game against Ireland. There was two moments there where he, he had cost us a try and then... The only reason we were in that position in the first place was because he had done exactly the same at field where he just can't make a decision. Yeah, We've given, I use that word autonomy again, we've given players autonomy to do what they want and play this open, expansive game, but no one seems to be capable of making a decision at the minute. That's key from your axis of 8, 9, 10, 12, isn't it? That has to come from there, doesn't it? Yes, you've got a captain, yes, you've got, <clears throat> you've got pack leaders, yes, you've got defensive leaders, whatever, but that axis of 8, 8 9, 10, 12 are what's really drives you around the pitch, isn't it? Yeah, and We've almost solved the problem at 12. Like, I don't think he's quite at that standard of being right, he's there, but Johnny Williams has stepped in a couple of yeah, games yeah. and he's like Adley Parks liked at the minute. Like he's, he's he's not quite offered as much as Adley Parks did because Adley Parks was, for me anyway, that world class 12. Uh, world class, international class is probably a better mm-hmm. choice of the, but And I don't think Johnny Williams is quite there yet, but you look at where we were compared yeah. to with him in there and I think it's a massive improvement it's a massive step up for a boy who's not he, been in the setup very long yeah, he has made a huge difference yeah but then you talk about 10 it's, it seems a bit sacrilegious to call him out but do you think Bigger's done enough for this system? I think for this system to work for Pivac he needs a running 10 and Bigger's not a running 10 so I, I think, think that, it, I think he needs I think he needs when fit if fit an Anscombe a Pacho a Sheedy to play at 10 
to fit into his into how he wants to play. I don't think Bigger can. As, I don't think Bigger's a running ten. I've never he's never really been a running ten, is he? You think it's a running ten or just a creative ten though? Like under Gatland, we worked very well on being pragmatic, on knowing what we were going to do, being very structured. We knew the forwards were going to carry a few times. We knew it was going to be ball out to 12 to carry up and break a hole. We knew it was almost formulaic. And Bigger's absolutely fantastic at that. And he's, he's one of the best tens at doing that. I just, but, I just think it's a case of, for me, looking at tens that have been successful throughout the years, it's that three, those three key skills of um, run, pass, kick. And I don't think he runs it enough. He obviously passes the ball out to his 12 out of, out of Foxy to, to clear lines and stuff on it to create something. And he kicks well and does he's brilliant under the high ball, but does he run enough? And I think for, under, under Pivak's reign, he'll want to tend to run more. And I don't think Dan can do that. I'm not even sure it's all running. I, I, like, if we look at Juliet Welsh, we look at like Neil Jenkins was absolutely quality for us. He wasn't particularly a running 10. Stephen Jones looked quality for us. He wasn't, wasn't a running 10. I mean, he's called fucking wellies for a reason. So, and then even when you look like we've got Johnny on, you look at Scotland at the minute, sort of Finn Russell is creative. Would you say he's a running 10 particularly? He gets on the front foot, but he's not a, a Bowden Barrett. He's yeah. not a... I think, but I think he gives the option. I think he, he gives the, the defences the challenge of that he could do it. So, like, one thing I, I picked up, I was watching when I watched the, the Scotland-France game, is you, you have Weir there, and for me, Weir was exactly the same as what Bigger, as one trying to explain with Bigger. So Weir in that game was passing and kicking. There was never, a th- the French defence knew he was never going to run it. With someone like Finn Russell or even um, Hastings, there's the option that they could, and that option they could, even that split second of a defence not rushing up just in case he goes, I think c- creates a lot of space. One, Yeah, one thing that Finn and Hastings do that certainly you'll have seen Weir doesn't, and I think I think Biggs can, but doesn't very much. Is the Finn especially plays so close to the game line? Yeah. yeah. You know, he like, and he, but he will sit back to to take it, but he takes it straight up to the line, and he's making his decisions at the very like the last split second. Mm-hmm. And you de- you definitely definitely didn't have that with Duncan Weir, and I don't see much of it for Wales with Biggs. But I mean, he can do it. When last season, when Saints were playing really well. When Chris Boyd came in and he brought Chris Boyd brought a bit of sort of like razzle yeah. dazzle and exciting, and Biggs was doing it. So I mean, it's not like he's not capable. He, he doesn't look as comfortable as he's looked for the years for me, Big. And I don't know whether Maybe. it's the system, whether it's the coaches, what that is. I mean, again, he's coping with an ever changing nine at the minute. Like we're going through nines like it's fucking Doctor Who, like all the clothes here, but his face keeps changing, it's a different guy every week. <laughs> but yeah, I, I something's not quite right there at the minute. And I, I would like to see Sheedy get a run with Reese Webb. If we're yeah. gonna be, be open and we're gonna be creative, let's commit. Yeah. But and if we if we play games like 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 Liverpool back in the day, we'll score four, you score three. If we play games and we're we're winning thirty or twenty odd every week, but we can see the points and if we're winning games but playing exciting, that's the way you're going to have to go in it. It's just committing to a system. I, I don't think I put, that always works at international level, but if that's the system we're going to play, and that's obviously why they brought Pivac in, because that's the way Pivac's always played, hmm. even before the Scarlets. I mean, you don't become a sevens coach in Fiji without playing open, expansive rugby. Yeah. So it, it's his style, it's what he does. So if we're going to do it, let's commit. Yeah, no, I agree. 
I can say this, right, because I'm not Welsh and it's further for people to this come is what I come mean. after me. <laughs> but um, we're gonna, I'm going to talk about the fourth point of that axis, which we haven't talked about yet. What's the story with number eight for Wales? Because everybody, yeah. I mean, everybody, everyone knows that it's Tobes, obviously, and everybody in Wales loves them. But there's talk about Wino at eight. There's talk about Ross at eight. And like for me, the last year or so, Wainwright's been one of the standout back rows. So is yeah, he going to move to eight and is Fallotown done? Or well, how does that I, fit the system? I know I mentioned it last week that, that it was that Pivak had asked the Dragons to start picking Wainwright at eight. So, I mean, that's a big call. That you would imagine that's to start. I think you ask a player to change position at regional level to cover the bench. I think it's because he's obviously got it in his head that he wants him to play there. He said he wants an eight with footwork. Mm. He wants to base the forward movement on fire. And Falatau does that well. And we've seen, I mean, the, the joyous thing of having Falatau at the minute is that he's good on back back football. Mm. Like when we're going backwards, no offence to the Dragons, but he's got experience in it with the Dragons of picking up with a scrum that's pedalling backwards. So he can be a saviour for us because at the moment that scrum's not quite right. But yeah, 100%, that, that's okay as a short-term measure then. But are you going to need the colours to the mask to the mast and have Falatau starting all the time? Or is Wainwright the answer? And if Wainwright's the answer, then shouldn't we be putting him in there? Shouldn't we be... This this cup seems like the perfect opportunity to me because Pivak's already talked about it's giving him a chance to look at players. So he's obviously looking at it with a little bit of experiment. He's obviously looking at it with a little bit of... Because does anybody want to win it? Is this going to go in the back cupboard with the Maradona shirt signed by the All Black squad? Like, is, are we going to find a place in the trophy room for this somewhere, or is this just exists? I couldn't even tell you if there is a trophy. I actually think I have seen it sitting on the Amazon desk. <laughs> I but I don't like that. You're a prime member. That's how little I know about it. Like, if there is a trophy, I don't have a fucking clue what it looks like. Well, it shows, doesn't it? The trophy is going to be clearly won at the weekend by England. And England's first team are going to be playing a mix, mix and match of French team because the French players are not allowed to play because of the rules that they've got over there. So yeah. the, because so France cares so little about this tournament that they'd yeah. rather play a friendly against Wales beforehand. Well, exactly, yeah. But I, I'd imagine as well, there's four pieces of silverware, surely, isn't there? Because there's it's the finals. cup, but we've got four finals, yeah. so we're yeah. going to have cup, plate, bowl. <laughs> what, what, what's going Like I, I would assume that as we are the sevens, we're going yeah. to have four... Trophy, and then it becomes a little bit like boxing where everyone's yep. got a belt. <laughs> whoever wins the Georgia Fiji game just gets like a big gold plated echo dot. <laughs> I think whoever wins the uh, the Georgia Fiji games gets first dibs on a vaccine. And so Fiji, <laughs> Fiji are well up for it. <laughs> there is talk that the uh, the prize for that game is uh, Amazon Prime for Life, but you never know. <laughs> <laughs> so I did say I come on to it. I, I don't know especially how Johnny would feel as a neutral, watching the scrums on Saturday, especially as a front row forward, absolutely broke me. <laughs> like, I, I, I was just his inconsistency. I did say, on, I did tweet out on Saturday, there was consistency. He consistently gave a penalty to England. There was a few of them that seemed a little bit bizarre where he penalised Samson Lee twice for being on either end of what looked like an identical incident. The, yeah, the first one where Samson Lee loses his foot in and then he gives a penalty to England is fair enough if that's the way he's seen it. Then Mako loses his foot in and is clearly underneath the body of Samson Lee and he 
penalise Sunson Lee again and England kicked the penalty. So it, it was really frustrating to watch as someone who's had my head in there and knows what it's like. I can't imagine what it must be for someone who's new to rugby, who's just watching it because they've got Prime to try and work out what the fuck is going on. Mm. Is that the same? Do you both feel? Oh, yeah. Uh, like, 100%. Be, being in the scrum is not something that I have a great deal of experience, obviously, being an outside back for my entire life. But, I mean, I think even I could have done a better job refereeing that scrum than he did on Saturday afternoon. It's just like, there was... Well, the, the I think the, the problem with it is, and I don't know if it's a language thing or whatever, but from what I could tell watching on TV, the explanation was never that good. No. Yeah. Like, not only was the decision-making poor, but but his explaining of the decision-making wasn't great either. Well, but it's difficult I, for a front row to... Like, if you're getting pinged all the time, but you're getting a clear idea of what you're getting pinged for, then it's something you can work on, or you make a substitution and you say, listen, this is what the problem is, we need you to go in and fix that. If you don't have a clue what's what the problem is, there's nothing you can do about it. you just got to keep cracking on. It, sum, it sums it up for me, because... I sent a message to uh, to a group chat of friends, which simply said, I'm sure the referee has missed out an R in his surname. And within seconds of that being sent, Phil Steele, who's got a lot more rugby knowledge than I have, tweeted exactly the same. So if he's thinking that, that Roman Quat has been had his surname spelt wrong and he's missing an R somewhere, then I'm sure he's right as well. Because those decisions, like take to even go away from the scrum, the fact that he's saying that he's seen the aerial challenge and that Dan Digger was had fallen onto him. That like he, he you've got a guy coming in telling you that, that you're wrong, but he ignores it. Like surely, and I know it has to be like a split split decision when it comes to the scrums because it's 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 basically throw your fucking bottles up in the air, which one lands up upright, which one go go everywhere. It's a case of he has to guess quite a lot of the time. Like yes, they, they get taught like this is how it should look. Like Steph said, exa- exactly. There was two challenge. There was two scrums where Samson Lee got done for for losing his foot in, and then he got done for hinging. But the position that Mako was in on, on the, the first one was the same as what Samson was in the second, and vice versa. It, it, it just doesn't make sense. It was like a mirror image of each hmm. other. Can I just say as well? I know we recorded this the same time as Only Connect, but then I can't. My brain can't cope with fucking word games. I was trying to work out where the R went. Then <laughs> <laughs> I spent five minutes there trying to write it down. <laughs> but I thought it wasn't just that that he got wrong for me as well. Like that was the most obvious one because say, but then you said he missed the, the tackle in the air. But he was poor the other way as well. There was a, a Welsh clear out that was de- it was dangerous levels of a clear out with an England player. Yeah, Josh Adams, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Josh and someone else comes in behind him. I think it was yeah. Hopkins comes in. Mm. I just wipe him out. There's no arms or anything. They no, he absolutely missiled him, but he was oh. full bore as well. It was brutal. It, it was awful that how he was just let to play on. There was a moment that I know I had a right where he says back, back, offside to Wales. Nobody moves an inch. England pick the ball up and go short, make the tat, and it's just play on. So like either just just ignore offside lines like every other ref does if you're not going to give them like it, no referee seems to be bothered with offside lines unless it's on your own try line now anyway so don't pretend to care either no, tell exactly. them to get back and wait for them to get back or penalise them or just do the same as everyone else and pretend like offside lines don't exist anymore <laughs> that's another bugbear of mine in case you can't tell <laughs> so obviously after after that game was was over um, we went across to Paris. There's one more thing 
<laughs> there's, there's always one, one more thing. thing. There's one more elephant in the room. Uh, that's not a, a, an insult to anyone. Ellis um, <laughs> Genge with the uh, potentially flying head, but is anyone is anyone gonna is anyone gonna make a decision either way? Is anyone gonna say what they think it is, or are we just gonna skirt on I, I I'll happily go say that I think it appears from the one angle that's been shown that it's a headbutt, but without seeing all angles, you can't say he's definitely done it. Yeah, I think that's exactly the thing. Like, we've only got yeah. that one angle, and it's unfortunately it's from behind Francis. So you can't, I, I tried to say it to a drunken Welshman on a Saturday evening that, you know, until we can see where Genge's hands and arms are, like if he's put his hands up to try and stop himself, I don't think it helps that he gets up with a shit grin at the end. But no, like, exactly. at the same time, if you've had a little scuffle on the floor and you, you know, you're getting your winning the game. Yeah, sometimes that's going to happen. I know he's tweeted out to say he, he hasn't done anything and sort of right. called people out for calling him on it. That's what pissed me off. This is I like <laughs> yes, and I think um, I think I've said this to you guys before. I'm, I'm in this really annoying period where I actually think there's a lot of really likable people in the England team. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of the England boys. I'm like, yeah, you know, he seems like he'd be a fairly nice nice guy. This one problem that they seem to have is they cannot fucking help themselves from like, sometimes either A, take your medicine and, and say like, hands up, shouldn't have done that, really sorry about that boys, or B, keep your mouth shut. They cannot help themselves from getting in the press, on the telly, on their Twitter, every single time and going, oh, I didn't do anything. Thanks to all the armchair TMOs at home for calling me out. And it's like, just shut up. Don't say yeah. anything. But I, don't, I also don't think he's, they've not said that he's been cited. He's um, not been cited. Yeah, he's not been cited yeah, for it. It's especially annoying because in a year where we've lacked a lot of positives, Ellis Genge has been one of them. Yeah. yeah. Sort of he's come out and spoken. I loved his sausages here. I, I loved the, you know, getting involved with unions. He he's been pretty good. He's been a guy, like you said, that especially growing up in the nineties, it was difficult to like an England rugby player. And a lot of that yeah. was because they twatted us every year. But <laughs> They are at the point where there's a couple of people you think, oh, yeah, he seems like a good guy, he seems like a nice guy. Like, Ellis Genge was up there, so... But, as well, like, the reason that I like Ellis Genge is because he's always been outspoken about things. Mm. And, yeah. things that, and he's always been outspoken on Twitter, and he's called out people, and he's called out uh, sort of the casual racism and racism, and he's called out the, the RFU and the way that things have been set up. And he's always been an outspoken guy. So are we condemning him for the thing that we like him for as well? Just because so it's difficult, but yeah, I did look at it and say, Yeah, that's not a great look. And just to add the last bit on uh, to these positives, I suppose. I I watched um the new film that's coming out um in the last couple of days, the Ben Obama one, everybody's game. Um, and oh, that's Ellis, on my list. And Ellis is in that and he speaks very well in it as well. A lot obviously all the others do as well. So uh, props for props to them for that as well, because it is actually a good watch. So Ellis, I was going to say, next game, France, Italy. It was. Um, as we expected, even though France were massively under strength, Italy did okay and then actually did better than okay, scored a great try. And then second half, just France took, took a win. Yeah, yeah I enjoyed uh, it. Even with all the kicks, I still thought it was a fairly decent game. Yeah, I think I said there was a couple of moments as well of just sort of sheer genius, generally from France. They say they sort of Teddy Thomas. I know uh, 
Kaizel was absolutely oh. phenomenal. I mentioned, <laughs> funny I mentioned Sam Warburton last week. Kaiser is is up there for me at the minute in just mm. absolute quality commentary and punditry. He's been absolutely superb. He, he seems like a great guy. He looks phenomenal in the calendars, if that goes anyway to helping people. But <laughs> him starting to lose his shit at Teddy Thomas kicking when he knows the ability that Teddy Thomas got. And then Thomas essentially playing with the Italian defence at one point where he's just running around, sort of holding the ball out, looking to offload, looking, is he going to go? It's the kind of thing you want from France. I know what France want from France is to win. Mm-hmm. But what I want from France is entertaining rugby like that. They've got so <laughs> many players capable of doing it now. And especially with sort of Toulouse playing that game again where they're open and expansive and so many players there that they seem to be influencing the, the, the side. And the other teams seem to be coming along with them. It's great to watch a bit of French flay back in it. Oh, it's brilliant. Oh, yeah. And I, I like, especially once once France had a bit of a lead in and it was clear that there wasn't really too much to play for to the end of that game. A lot of the young guys on both teams just backing themselves to try something was... Yeah. We haven't had a lot of that this tournament, so it was no. good. Enjoyed it. Uh, the, one, the one thing I did make a note on, because when I was watching the France game, I made a couple of notes for this, was the only thing I've got written down from the France game is literally Benjamin Kayser, and I put in, in quotation marks, why are you kicking and not running, Teddy Tomar? And then loads of crying emojis because he must have said it about 10 times. Why is he kicking? Why is he kicking? He's a, he's a winner. Why is he kicking? It's great. It was like like a fun version of when Brian Moore had his meltdown. Yeah. Remember Brian Moore having a meltdown when he was kicking? Like it was all that, like, but, but Moore beat somehow. Yeah. Um, Villier, is it Villieri was the winger? Who just a, absolute wheels. Just, oh, yeah. When he opened up and went, and you just go, Jesus, God help me if we, when we come up against this guy. Because, yeah, that was something special. And uh, McAlew just proving that he's a shithouse, but he's a shithouse of international quality, which we've all expected for a while. It was, it's great to see him. He's proper abrasive and in your face, but with loads of rugby ability. And if you fight back, his brother will try and knock you out. Uh, <laughs> we um we also cannot carry on and complete this pod and talk about a French game without mentioning the one person that everyone appears to love, which is Carbonell, actually getting on the pitch. To actually get some game time. Yeah. <laughs> I did try to say last week, no Carbonell, no party. And I, I got his name completely <laughs> wrong in a moment of madness. So I can see you this week because it was definitely party by the end. So no Carbonal, no party, and everyone could have enjoyed it. It was a good game. I said there was loads of kicking, but I think it's more acceptable when you've got those like highlights in between. Mm. I think people get pissed off when it's kick and kick, and then there's there's sort of no highlights. There's nothing to watch. There's nothing to keep you drawn in. Yeah. We'll stick for a kicking battle if there's a chance that something. Glorious might come at the end of it. France got that in them at the minute. Yeah, no, it's agreed. It's just a shame uh, that they can't pick a strong, strong team for Sunday, isn't it? Well, is it a weakened team against it? I know it's Italy, but Italy have been performing quite well this year. Other than Wales, you know, they, they've had a few performances in them, and now we've got a French team who, will, even without big names, seem to be capable of competing at a rate better than they were when they were putting their first team out a couple of years ago. 
And I think that's where we're at with France, which is a worry because they're still early in their World Cup cycle with a good coaching team and players that actually seem to want to play for France. Mm. I'd love to see them win a, a whole World Cup. Yeah, yeah me. Not sure how a team with 121 total caps is going to do against England this weekend, but I'd still like to see them win the World Cup in a couple of years. Well, that's a chance to put a market down, I suppose, if you call the <laughs> there's one. There's only one way you could describe the uh, chances of Francis again, but I'm not going to use that line because I'll get fined for it. Yeah. <laughs> Take your pound off him. <laughs> um, obviously, then after the French game, the next day on Sunday, we had um, the wonderful, fantastic display of rugby that was Ireland against Georgia. I'll, I'm going to hold my hands up and say... I had some stuff to do this weekend and so I looked at the calendar and I thought Ireland against Georgia is the game I can sacrifice so I haven't watched it. It wasn't and It wasn't great, to be fair. I, uh, I, watched, I watched the highlights, didn't fucking take long. So. <laughs> I will say, if you've got 40 minutes spare, it's worth a watch. If you've got 80 minutes spare, do Come something on. else. Yeah. Because <laughs> the second half was absolutely short. I... I sort of feel sorry for Ireland fans the same way I'm sure Ireland fans feel sorry for, for us at the minute because they, they've they fallen, so I mentioned it last that they've fallen so far, especially in terms of creativity. Mm. It's actually painful to watch at times and that second half was really, really painful to watch. However, and, that, however, they were quite creative they were quite creative with Billy Burns at 10 and then unfortunately well, were, got injured, didn't he? So it was... Well, they came out looking very excited. Like within mm. within ten minutes, you thought, "Ah, oh, here we go, Ireland to come out to play." Yeah, they looked a decent team. They looked very good. Um, same issues as Wales, maybe, of creating a platform. They got turned over a few times. Yeah. I'd said to my father as well a couple of weeks back before the Georgia game, whenever that was Wales Georgia, and I was like, "Ah, the Georgia scrum's overrated. They it's fallen a long way. Like they were great, but." From what I've seen, they don't look that good now. And then we went into the Wales game, and so that proved to be like quite quite true that they didn't look great. And I went into the Island game on Saturday, and they turned up like all all eight of them in a pack turned up. And there were a couple of uh, dodgy decisions, a couple of Roman decisions there. But uh, Georgia held their own and did all right. And then in behind, Kevin's lads, eh? Was it yeah. scored the so, try? So, Close so, enough. Beautiful try. Close enough. Unbelievable try. Like the little pop to create there and then and then to back himself more than anything. Like he slides over with two Irishmen on his back. He's done superb. It's a great try. That's straight out of the top draw. Like credit to, to Georgia because they've been pinged as this team who's got a lot of front and nothing behind and can't really create a lot. And so they, they need to win the win the game up front. For that to create that behind. I know that they've got a couple of youngsters who can do it as well. It was really good, but curse of the Uckers and curse of the, the set piece because the Nylon's first try come from a, a Georgia overthrow as well. I think it was, yeah. I think it did, yeah. Yeah, recycled so the I, ball and then went to Billy Burns and he ran it, yeah. I think it was. I, like I said, I don't know what's happened with lineouts since COVID, but no one seems particularly good at it, didn't they? No one yeah. seems to. Uh, Argentina's malfunctioned this week. Not enough dads on roofs. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, so it is. Roof. It's because we live in a society of health and safety. Health and safety is poorer in Argentina. You can check your dad on the roof. No one's going to stop him. You can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. Um, and again, like I did only watch the highlights, but I think I think I saw most of the good bits, even if it was only about fucking 10 minutes. Is 
one thing that that I think this tournament was probably unintentionally meant to highlight, and it probably would have done a better job if Fiji had managed to play, is Georgia were a lot better on Sunday than yeah. they were even when they played us. And when was the last time Georgia played four tier one nations in a month? I don't think yeah. they ever have. No, they haven't. And so that you, you get them a month together, you get them four quality oppositions. Well, England and then us, you guys in Ireland. So, but you get them tier, you get them <laughs> tier one opposition, and you get you know consistent games at that sort of level, yeah. and it's it made a massive difference compared to what they were like a month ago. Yeah, they were they were a lot better, and I think a lot of a lot of Sunday's second half was them not allowing Ireland to play, but not then being able to apply to be, being able to play themselves. It was as if they targeted the first 40 minutes, got the try, and then just tried to be like a brick wall for Ireland for the rest of the game, but didn't try to create anything themselves. Yeah, I, we have seen uh, struggling teams really improve throughout the tournament, and that's why Wales finished with 11 points of England by the end. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why Cardiff Blues seems to win the last four games of the season, probably lose the ones before. Um, I know that's the international roundup then. Yeah. I'm sure Johnny might want to mention Glasgow Warriors in a bit because they played yesterday, apparently. Yeah, um, let's, let's, let's do it now. Let's get it out of the way because but, we were terrible. No, we weren't actually. We, we did all right, but just I thought Glasgow were fantastic. It's about time. We have been stinking. So it's, it's nice to see something sort of come together. The... The problem with saying, oh, it's nice to see some things come together, is that this is a team we're putting out that frequently has 10 recent internationals in it. Hmm. So we shouldn't need six weeks of getting spanked to put a performance <laughs> together. I'm, I'm, ha- like, I'm happy that it's happened. I'm a lo- I was going to say I'm a little bit sorry I happened against Cardiff. I'm not sorry at all that I happened against Cardiff. No, I know that. <laughs> I'm, I'm annoyed that it's taken so long. But I think that, like... This season for Glasgow and Edinburgh probably is a write-off. I mean, we've got 13, 14 boys in the Scotland squad. Edinburgh have got the same. We've lost them for this entire tournament. We get them back for the European window where we're certainly not getting out of the pool. I don't know whether Edinburgh will. Then we lose them again for the Six Nations. I think anybody, Scottish club fans who are expecting some sort of any sort of top-level results from this this season is probably going to be disappointed. But it's still yeah. nice to see a nice performance. A win's a win, Johnny, isn't it, at the end of the day? That's it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wouldn't know what that feels like. It's <laughs> nice to see a bit of um, innovation in Welsh rugby as well, though, at regional level, because uh, the Scarlets pulled one out of the hat to not lose to Leinster by uh, just calling the game off. Too many COVID cases, sorry, boys. <laughs> That's bad luck. Should we just call her a draw? Is yeah. that it? <laughs> Scarlets can factually say they were unbeaten at the weekend. Um, <laughs> across the border as well, both borders into England. Um, I just a, a little one because I meant to mention Newcastle Falcons coming back to a winning start last week, and I thought I'd blown my opportunity, and then they followed up with another win right at the death against a sixth place Sale, which I think is their full title now. Um, <laughs> so it was great to see them coming back and. and Say two games, two wins, and a bounce. It's a great club. It's one I've always had a little bit of affection for. Now I've got a little bit of a connection with. So it's absolutely superb to see the Falcons doing that. And then um, O'Flaherty's try was absolutely. I can't work out if it was brilliant 
pure luck. I, I, but it, it was a joy to watch, regardless. I, yeah. I don't know how much of it he meant, but something. It was brilliant to watch, moments. but I'm I'm not quite prepared to admit that it was brilliant skill yet because I think he was lucky. Yeah, I, I wouldn't rule out the fact that it was just pure luck. But uh, yeah, it, it was it was some uh, unbelievable pace to did, to follow it up. Did they not come out today? Wasn't it a set move? Was it a set move? Yeah, I'm sure. They, I'm sure they come out today and said it was a set move. It was intentional. Are oh, they gonna say that? <laughs> aren't they? Nah. And and just going going back to your um your sale point, I don't know if you've seen it as well. And since we've been recording, I just noticed there's uh, breaking news. They've changed their name. They're actually now called the Sale Springboks, <laughs> not the Sale Sharks. So. Well, uh, the the Pro 14 has, has said today as well that the Irish clubs have accepted becoming the Pro 16. So they'll be joining, um, I think it's the Sharks, the Bulls and the Stormers that will be joining next year. So um, it's quite interesting to see whether they allow, them Sharks will have more or less South Africans in sale no, uh, when it comes to playing them. I think definitely so. Definitely so. But for me, I know lots of people will have complaints about it and people won't be happy and talk about long trips and everything again. But I think it's actually a bit of a boost for the league. Like, yeah. We've had two South African teams in there who weren't of the highest quality. If the playing budgets can stay the same or similar to what they are now and they can bring in similar or, or you know, keep a lot of their top names, the Bulls, the Sharks and the Storm is coming into this league is a, a massive lift. And it's especially going to be... Uh, eye-opening when it comes to Six Nations time. Yeah. Mm. Because all when players usually would rest, or when teams would usually rest players, it'd be really interesting to see what we can do now whether uh, they can join the Champions Cup at all. Because I think that'll be really... Uh, I think they will. I don't think I don't think they, that Saru, is that how you say it? I don't know. I don't think South Africa would have agreed for all of this. If they didn't think they had a chance of getting into the Champions Cup as well, mm. absolutely. You would have thought a long term that's got to be the thinking that they they're yeah. going to be in there. So again, for your clubs that are usually bouncing around those those places, suddenly that's yeah. a massive happy even, game. I get players playing have, and winning. Even if they have to start in the, uh, the 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 lower form form and then obviously go and have to play away games in Russia and Spain and Portugal and Moldova, then that's just what's I, I, check it in. It's a league. If if you want to be in the top league, you've got to say like, I know the Irish clubs are saying, oh, we're all for them coming in, it's going to be grand. But the reason that they want them in there is for money at the end of the day. Like the yeah. South Africans are going to bring a lot of money in there, especially with TV deals. Yeah. They're not doing it out of the goodness of their art to help South Africa. They're doing it because it, it benefits them. Exactly. And so, yeah. surely that should be outweighed by, okay, they're coming in, but they get a shot at Europe as well. Imagine the Blue Bulls against Krasny Yar. That would be like Goggles Central. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> imagine you like one of those horrendous, horrendous films where everyone fights in a pit <laughs> welcome to the Thunderdome <laughs> just be the same as playing at Ronnie Parade then. <laughs> the only thing about the Stormers coming into Pro 14 is it's a bit of a ball ache for Scotland because we rely on them for most of our players <laughs> once they start coming up here more often they've got a twig on <laughs> Are we happy to move yeah. on to our now regular tenuously named feature? The bit that Johnny's <laughs> really looking forward to. Am I the judge? You are the judge. I've always you wanted are... to be the judge. Well, that's, that's a worry. Anyone who wants to be a judge. <laughs> be a judge. 
So yeah, this is uh, Greg Lead Lower Order. So kicking off this week, as we know, it's going to be a debate. It's between me and Wally. Um, the debate this week is regards to the Six Nations and where we feel Wales are going to finish. So I'll hand the reins over to you. You're going to go first. Okay. So <clears throat> I feel as though I'm a little bit more optimistic after Saturday than I was last week. I'm still very, very, very pessimistic over it. I believe that um, England, France, Ireland and Scotland are in a better place than what Wales are. Um, so for me, if we finish any higher than fifth, it'll be a success for this coming Six Nations. Um, I just don't think we've got the right tools yet in fully in place and it's not embedded enough as, as much as the other four teams are to crack into that top four for this year. So I think Wales will finish fifth. So, you know, <laughs> last week I came into the podcast looking glum and having a moan. And so I'm going to outweigh with my optimism this week. And I get the feeling of negativity. I get why people feel negative. I get why you think we might finish fifth. But new coach, new system. It's going to take a while to bed in. Like I said, I've talked about green shoots so many times. But I think, they, I think they will bear fruit. So I'm going to say new faces coming in and performing. At the moment, we're lacking that platform. But I think the platform will come. I think that the set piece will come. And I think when we start reintroducing those players, as we talked about earlier, as Johnny said, we're looking at Ken Owens coming back in, Rob Evans coming back in, Coriel coming the line, uh, calling the line, Navidi coming back in to do that hard work on the floor, working off scraps, which is essential for us. Tipperick back fully fit, back from an HIA and starting. I think it'll all start to fall into place. And when we've got those players who know each other inside and out, and especially when we're looking at sort of that scarlet front row who know each other well, and we get that repetition in place and we're doing those drills over and over, and we've been there over a year, actually spending time together. And I do agree with you, it's the most competitive Six Nations, I think, coming up. We're at the point where Italy are actually competing with teams now. Scotland, they, I think Scotland were, went through a few years of just being the whipping boys where people went out and if Scotland even pushed you close, people felt bad about it. Scotland have come through that. They look good. There's no team that you would write them off against anymore. And we went through that phase in the 90s, let's not forget. But these complex systems, they take time. They'll come. And I think it'll be joyous when it comes. And I think a massive change as well will come from going back to Cardiff. We've seen the post-apocalyptic weather that Letley's thrown up, like in a squall, in a fucking uh, pirate film. Like Johnny Depp is going to swing in at some point because there's so much wind and rain. So after last week, I'm feeling confident. I'm feeling happy. I'm going to... Be very optimistic and say top two. And I'll put my money where my mouth is and say if we don't finish in the top half, I'm willing to complete the forfeit. Call it what you will. If we don't finish in that top three, I'll throw it out for suggestions for what I can do and you can suggest them yourself. I'm confident. Okay. Over to you, Johnny. Over to oh, the I've always thought you'd look... 
I've always thought he'd look good with a reverse, but he can Steph, so that's perfect. As long as the beard stays, I don't touch the beard. <laughs> um, if I was a real judge, I'd recuse myself from this particular case because <laughs> I am I'm convinced on all Steph's arguments. I think you're right. I think you can't underestimate the players that you've got to come back. I think the Cardiff point is a really, really good point. I'm not quite ready for top two yet. My main problem with uh, with disagreeing with Ryan is that if you guys don't finish fifth, that means we finish fifth. That's my main <laughs> issue. So I don't I don't feel like I can give a truly neutral judgment, but I would say I feel your confidence. I think you're right about this, the things that have still got to go. That you know there are still pieces to click together. Since PVAC took over, you've there's not really been a lot of normal cycle. You had what two thirds of a Six Nations, so you've got to give them a bit more time. You've got to let these players come back. You have got to get back to the Millennium. I don't care what you say. I'm going to call it the Millennium. It's the Millennium as well. Yeah, um, I'd I'd give you. I'd give you maybe third or fourth. I'm not going to give you first or second. But I'm still going to side with Ryan so that we don't finish fifth. I knew that was coming. <laughs> we'll call that 2-0, yeah? It's 2-0. 2-0 <laughs> down after two weeks is a good start. I'm off to a player. <laughs> right. So we'll end the uh, most tenuously named feature in a weekly rugby podcast, Laid Lord Order, the rest. <laughs> Should we move on to uh, to next week? Yeah, next week. I don't know what to make of next week because for me, I think a lot of the teams are going to be swapping and changing. Um, I think I think Wales. I don't think we'll we'll pick um, the strongest team that we can. I think there'll be changes in that. Um, I think apart from England, who'll want to go and win another trophy. I think everyone else will be pretty much under strength. Ireland are not full strength. Obviously, Scotland are potentially not going to be with the likes of obviously Finns missed the whole autumn. Hastings is as well. Um, I think that Scotland will be as strong as they can. They can be in Ireland, which could cause Ireland an issue. Um, Ireland may go full strength as much as they can with injuries, but I think we we'll, we we'll have changes. But I must admit, the only game I'm looking forward to, if it goes ahead, is Georgia Fiji. I think we're at the point as well. Like I'm really struggling to care if I'm honest. Like, I, I've it, but it's not helped that the games that is thrown up are all games I'm not particularly interested in. Mm. Like the way that it could have fell, we could have had some really interesting games that I would have loved to have watched. Like Scotland against a running rugby team would have been fantastic to watch. Fiji against a top team would have been great to watch. I feel like we've got we've got France England would have potentially been a good one, but it's France B team. Mm. I I don't think and I, I they all feel like bronze finals anyway. It's all like that. Yeah, it's the two losing semi finalists. Like there's there's nothing really riding on it. It's like whatever the opposite of a Super Saturday is. <laughs> I, I just I I really struggle and it feels really bad to. I think my biggest problem as well is my expectations going into this tournament because there wasn't a lot riding on it. I thought teams might have looked to play a little bit more, treated yeah. it a bit more like an exhibition. The way the Southern Hemisphere teams have, like the Aratoroa and the um, the Tri Nations now, teams seem to be more inclined to well let's play to win and play good rugby. Yeah. 
whereas everyone in the Northern Hemisphere seems to be playing not to lose still. And it's really different. And it was a great chance to bed in and try new things. It was a great chance to get used to these new laws and find a way that we could play. Uh, and find a way that they could play using them and could get quick ball and could use it to their advantage. And instead they've gone the complete opposite and gone, well, what's the way that we can do this? Let's just play shit rugby. Yeah, let's treat it like a Six Nations or treat it like a normal automated national game. But yeah, and what they've done is they said they, they, those laws have come in and it was an opportunity to go, well, let's see how we can go playing quicker to break down, let's see how we can exploit spaces that it's going to create. And instead they've decided they're going to kick ball away. Mm. I think it's quite disappointing. Perhaps not unexpected, realistically, when you think about it. No. Johnny, yourself? Yeah, no, I think that that's basically nailed the whole thing. I mean, we we are almost certainly, if not starting, gonna have gonna give a bench cap to Jaco van der Valt this week just to get him tied yeah. up, basically. Yeah. Um, and that I mean, that's where we are. We we played three. Well. The Wales game technically was competitive, but we played then those two Wasn't. competitive Autumn <laughs> Nations games with Duncan Weir as our starting 10, and I don't think I cried once, so that's how little I really care about it. <laughs> and I just, that, that's been my overwhelming feeling about this tournament since it started. And now I'm like, France are probably the team that I least care about watching against England, especially a second grade France team. Yeah. Wales, Italy, I'm not massively excited about. I'm not excited I'm, about it. I'm Welsh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, yeah, I was going to say I'm not even hugely excited about our game, but you yeah, never yeah, know yeah. something exciting about having. I think I might just get up early and watch the uh, Argentina against Australia game and then watch the uh, the Georgia-Fiji game and then leave it. I think I might miss the rest. Well, it, I'm glad to see Fiji get a game. Yeah, I mean... yeah. Because it's been a massive disappointment for them, and you felt like you know they, they could have done some good things. Like it's always a, a a joy to watch Fiji anyway, so it would have been the brighter side of the tournament. Yeah, this tournament um, would have been so good for them. And like we we talked about what a month of being together and playing consistently playing tier one teams did for Georgia. Imagine what it would do for Fiji. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, such a shame. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so um, I'm out with this then, Steph, over to you. So, yeah, we'll uh, move swiftly on to our as-yet-untitled quiz of the week. Last week, we played a little game of uh, play your cards, right? And I stick with the same format this week. Except this week, I'm going to give you uh, some rugby players, ex-players, pundits, even a referee. And you're going to tell me how you're all lower on their Twitter followers. Oh. oh, yeah, it's fun. So I'll give you the base and the number of followers, and then you tell me how you're lower. So starting off, a guy who knows his way around Twitter's pretty well, and uh, has seen the Royal Box a few times, Will Carlin. <laughs> I knew it was coming and it's still left. <laughs> thousand followers. With so more or less followers for antipathy and homophobe, is he for low? Izzy's got to have more, isn't he? Because <clears throat> what's the question? 
but people will follow him because of what of the stuff he believes in. Because some people believe it, and that's their right. Um, I don't believe it, and I, I think he's an idiot. But obviously, that's their own opinions. But also, he's been a worldwide known star in two sports, so I think he's gonna have more. Three sports. Yep. Yeah. AFL doesn't count. <laughs> it's definitely a sport. <laughs> It's in my sports old... book. It's a, it's a sport. <laughs> it's in Johnny's almanac. It <laughs> so you're going higher I, for Izzy yeah. Follow? Johnny, higher or lower? I badly, badly want it to be lower, but there's no chances. It's like your man would say, it's the seagulls following the trawler, in it? You've got to be there to see if something happens. It's yeah. got to be higher. You forget that Jesus only had 12 followers. <laughs> Izzy Falau has got less 128.7 oh, good thousand followers. Good. Yeah, so less followers than Will Carly. So we're not off the market. Nope. So we know that uh, Izzy loves God. So next up is our Lord and Saviour himself, Alan Wynne Jones. More or less. I'm going to go lower. I'm, I'm going in there. Yeah. I think. <clears throat> I think that your your average person who's a who's a big Alan Wynne Jones fan is also not necessarily a huge Twitter user. I don't think there's a big crossover, so I'm yeah, going to go lower. He's not going to tweet that often, is he? Let's be honest. Yes, yeah, this is it. He doesn't seem like a big Twitter guy, yes. so I think a lot of his followers probably or a lot of his fans probably aren't either. That's my theory. That's my working. So you both going lower? Yeah. 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 He's higher. 170.7 thousand followers. Sally win. Like of course he's years. higher. But, but, but how excited could it possibly be? It doesn't matter. It's Ali Win. You follow him wherever he goes, <laughs> wherever he says. If Foxy follows him without questioning, everyone will follow him. But apparently Foxy fucking loves him, so. Yeah, I'm all... <laughs> Up next. Gareth Hanscom's understudy, Bowden Barrett. Higher or lower than Alan Wynne Jones? Bowden's going to have more, isn't he? Bowden's going to have about 250k, I reckon. Yeah, I'm going to say he's got to be higher, surely. This is an absolutely terrible start, boys. He's lower than Alan Wynne. He's at 104.8 thousand as of today. I will say, as of this moment, they've all got more than Matera. <laughs> <laughs> we'll skip over that one. We'll skip over that one. Inside joke. <clears throat> Sorry, it's very much an outside joke. As no, no, this no. Goes out. Yeah. Up next, protecting the masses from the fringes. And if any wasn't so silent, we'd know what he'd really know in these times. Courtney Laws. Higher or lower? What was Bodie? 104.8 thousand. Higher. Higher. They're both going higher? Yeah, I feel good about this now. Higher. He's lower. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. <laughs> but not by much. <laughs> 104.4 thousand. So up next, because he wouldn't be this podcast without him. Michael Jameson's probably not one of his followers. Max Evans is mad. Max Evans, higher or lower 
and Courtney Laws. Lower. Max I'm is a big Instagram guy, isn't he? Yeah. But I was also then going to go on my... I was going to go on my logic of last week where he's got a crossover between more than one... He's not just a rugby player, is he? Because he's on Dancing Ice and uh, stuff. So yeah, I'm going to go higher. higher. Oh, this, could be your, this could be your win here. Higher. You're right. So we know that someone's off the mark. It's getting exciting. He's much lower. 20,000. Yeah. 20.9 thousand followers for Max. I knew you'd go higher because you did the same thing last week and I knew that would trip you up. <laughs> so up next... He wants to know Premier Sports numbers. Do you know his Twitter numbers? It's Jiffy. Higher or lower than 20.9 thousand? Jiffy's got to be a lot higher than that. If Max is 20 thousand, Jiffy's got to be higher than that. Right, I'm going for the jugular here. I'm going to go lower again. He's tied it up. Oh, 229.8 thousand followers. He's much higher. 229.8. Many more, how many more we got? Uh, that was six out of ten. Okay, and then a possible tiebreaker. And when I say possible tiebreaker, what I mean is I'm definitely going to fix it so we get the tiebreaker. <laughs> <laughs> so, up next, as my girlfriend's mother said, I want to look at dogs on my Instagram, not him doing a Monday night DJ. It's just boom, boom, boom. He needs to grow up higher. It's James Askell, <laughs> higher. He's got to be much higher than Jiffy, any. Much higher than Jiffy. He's going to be at least four, five hundred thousand, maybe I'd a million put, followers. I'd appear about 400k. 198,000 followers. <laughs> oh, no earlier. No He's way. an Instagram guy. He's an Instagram guy. So, fellow Wasps back rower, Big Lol. He wasn't laughing when he seen his credit card bill. <laughs> <laughs> Is the figure on his Twitter account bigger than the figure on his statement? So, <laughs> higher or lower than 198,000 for if, Big Lol? If Askin is only 198,000, then Lol's going to be a lot less. Yeah, lower. You both going lower? Yeah. It is lower. 107.1,000. And so, across the desk of BT Sports... Former Leicester Loudmouth, who still owes me a quid. Austin Ely. Higher or lower than Big Lol? Surely that's an easy answer, because surely no one follows Austin Ely. <laughs> you would hope. Caught, yeah, I'm going to go lower. I'm going to go lower. I'm going to go higher. You're going to go higher? Because I think people will just follow him because of, like we said about Philau, that people want to be there and you want to see what he says. You're completely right. 159,000 followers who he is, are you? And then finally, not really finally, there's another one coming, but finally, <laughs> the referee we all know and love, or love to hate, depending on which side of the divide you're on. Stand-up comedian, after-dinner speaker, TV personality, Nigel Owens, more or less than Austin Ely. How many was Austin? 159,000. Higher. He looks in pain. I know you can't. He's your see. national treasure, right? Come on. Surely everybody in Wales has to follow him. Do you not get a hand out of school? <laughs> uh, yeah, he's going to have to be higher, isn't he? He's, he's probably going to be one of the highest of the list, I reckon. He is exactly the highest of the list by far. 401.2 thousand. 
So, and I'll be honest, I forgot to keep score at some point. So I thought Wally had won. It could be a draw, but it doesn't matter. Uh, I know. I think he's won. I think he's won by one. So we're going to put it down to this one. Okay. So rather than tell me whether this is higher or lower than age, I'm going to give you two players. Yeah. And I want you to tell me which one you think is IS. And if you could go for separate players, that'd be fucking fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so best friends, players in Wales's glory days, recent years, less involved than they thought they'd be this autumn. One loves dogs, the other loves peri-peri-based chicken meals. Sam Warburton and George North. Who's higher? George is higher. Oh, he's straight in. He's not even thinking about it. This is recorded on a Monday as well, so by the time this goes out, George might have done his White Rabbits tweet. Well, the, uh, yeah, he probably, he probably would have. Yeah, he probably, he probably would have. Um, uh, 1st of December, he's right on, huh? I, I think it's George, but I'm going to go Sam. you got to go Sam? Yeah. For 10 points? Or by how many points I said it was for? <laughs> it's George North. Yeah, <laughs> 430.1 thousand versus 413.9. So, George, quite a bit ahead. So, uh, Sam needs to pull his finger. I mean, he's doing work just about everywhere, he's doing everything. <laughs> Surely, someone's got to be following this between his TV, his fitness, his was coaching. Surely, someone's following this, but yeah, George is here. So, this week's winner, Mr. Johnny McGindy. Yeah. That's my prize. Can I do my winner before Ryan does? You can. Because I think we're using the same person. Are we? <laughs> so let's go on to that then. Let's do um, <clears throat> winners and wankers. We actually ended last week's show quite abruptly where it went, yeah, Phil, give us your wanker. And he went, Stuart Hogg. Like literally, <laughs> bluntly, Stuart Hogg. So we'll start with wankers this week, I think, and, and let the winners be the end. So, um, Johnny, start with your wankers for us. All right. I was torn between a couple. I'm going to start with this one. It's a petty one, but I'm doing it anyway. And I know it happened last week, but he's got off with it. So I'm making him a wanker this week. Uh, Jean Klein. Because, and I know all the Monster fans were giving it, oh, Ryan Wilson started it, Ryan Wilson's always fighting. Yes, he did. He's always fucking fighting. And I will guarantee you that Monster's coaching packet last week had a bit in it that said, Ryan Wilson is always fighting. Do not fall for it. And John <laughs> Klein's gone and fucking poked his thumb in his eye after being specifically told not to fight with him. It's like, you're a professional. Surely you've learned by now. So one, gouging is the, the thing I hate most in rugby. Yeah. And two, he's clearly been given specific instruction that that's the one person on the field that he shouldn't fall for starting a fight with. And he's done it anyway. So he's going to be my wanker. Steph? Um, so my wanker was almost, it was almost uh, England introducing a tier system to fight COVID because <laughs> I've spent most of this week shouting fuck the tears and calling Boris Johnson uh, inflated sex doll. Um, but then I realised that by introducing the tears, it's rather brilliant that Saracens are in the second tier. So it's good practice for him ready for next season <laughs> to be in tier two. And it also means that they're not allowed more than 2,000 fans and they've been practicing now for years. So I think, if anything, this tier system really suits Saracens and they, at a time when they need something. So I've changed my wankers to uh, sexism 
specifically around the tweet that Premier Sports sent out saying, look at our all-female broadcast team that we're putting out. This is absolutely fantastic to see. And most of rugby Twitter we've got behind there and said it's absolutely superb and it's what we need to see and it's the kind of thing that we should be promoting and doing. And then a few dickheads decided that it was either a chance to make a joke about who's in the kitchen if they were all doing this or try to seem to genuinely want to make a point of where are all the men? Like all the men are on 99% of the other fucking broadcasts and you watch your own sport. So shut up and watch it. Absolutely superb from Premier Sport. So my wankers this week are the idiots who replied being sexist nobeds because we can talk about rugby valleys all we want to, but these idiots live amongst us. Um, <clears throat> I've got I've got two, but one of them I'm going to refrain on using for the minute because I think that follows on to my winner, which I don't want to steal from Johnny, so I'm going to let him say his. So my first wanker is Roman Pat. Simply, Roman Poit. I don't think I need to say any more. His performance on Saturday was shocking, so simply, Roman Poit. Um, Johnny, your winner? Uh, my winner, who I think was probably yours as well, but I'll crack on anyway and see what happens, is uh, Will Jordan. Okay. I um, read Gregor Paul's article on the 15. I don't know if you guys have seen it, um, which basically summed up exactly what I think about Will Jordan, which is that he talked about how People talk about how Will Jordan uh, is such a lucky finisher because he's always in the right place at the right time. If you're always in the right place at the right time, it's not luck. It's because you know it's the right place. Yeah, he's he's the the biggest impact player I think the All Blacks have had off the bench in probably at least five years. I think his rugby braid is amazing. I think even though that game was out of touch by the time he came on on Saturday, he's still showed the second he came on what a difference he could make and he's just his awareness and his rugby knowledge is top notch and it's not luck at all he's, yeah. the reason he's in the right place is because he knows that that's the place that he needs to be so he's my winner for the week yeah it's Gary Player what did the golfer who said uh, the more I practice the luckier I get yeah <laughs> <laughs> Steph who's your winner uh, my winner I'm going to go for Newcastle Falcons purely because as I said I missed them out last week as well to come back, they've had it a pretty tough time, and uh, the the uncertainty around COVID as to whether they'd even be playing Premiership rugby this season when they clearly deserved it, and a little bit of redemption for uh, Dean Richards, obviously with the past, and he's put everything behind him as a club to come together, a good community club. It was a shame to see Sonati Sonati miss out because I would have loved to see him back in the Premiership, but yeah, my winners for this week: Newcastle Falcons, literally as well, two wins and a bounce. Okay, so. <clears throat> Mine was Kevin Ladze, the Georgian centre, who scored the absolute worldie against Ireland. That was yep. my winner of the week. Um, but the one to follow on um, was one of my wankers into following into my winners. My wanker was Patrick Tupolotu. Because he scored, probably, and finished the best try of the, the weekend. However, in scoring that try, he stopped Will Jordan getting a hat-trick because he could have passed <laughs> it to the right. So uh, Will Jordan was my other winner. So, yeah. Um, Tupelo was my was my one girl and Will Jordan my winner. I, I also forgot as well um, to carry on from last week's win, where we can talk about Roman Poit being a ship ref, but you've also got to talk about a yellow card coming out for a forearm to the head of a prone player at the bottom of a ruck in the in the New Zealand Argentina game. That was a clear red. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know whether it was shitting themselves because of the fallout for a red card um, in the Australia-New Zealand game 
but that's a hundred percent nailed on red. Like World Rugby keep talking about keeping players safe and player welfare and you know uh, HIAs and they they're talking the talk, but referees have got to be acting that out as well. So it's the second week that I'm going to talk about inconsistencies around headshots and HIAs because that was absolutely ridiculous that that wasn't a red card. That's the most red card I've ever seen. Good. Can I uh, can I chuck something in at the other end of refereeing decisions? Yes. From, from Saturday night's game. Professional players in the modern era can catch a ball with one hand or can pop a ball up and catch it. So to give the Italian winger a yellow card on Saturday night, I thought when he was off, France scored two quick tries and that was the game completely out. Now, if you want, like, if you want to keep giving a yellow card for a slap down, absolutely, no, no problem with that at all. If you want to give a penalty rather than a scrum for a for a knock on like that, no problem with that at all. But if he's reached out with one hand, made an attempt to catch it, and knocked it up in the air, and then he just he hasn't caught it, it's gone down in the ground for him to get a yellow card for that, which basically was the start of changing that game. I think it's harsh. Yeah, I agree. Spoke spoken like a uh, true outside back there, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's uh, that's us done for the week. Unless anyone's got anything else they want to bring up. No, I'll just say thanks very much, Johnny, for joining us. I know we'll get you back on. Thanks soon. for having me. Uh, we, we're desperate to get you back and then do a little episode around uh, the clan and everything you're doing up there. So yeah, thanks for coming yeah. on. It's been absolutely love fair, to do that. Thanks for having me. It's nice to have a non-Welsh accent on the podcast as well. <laughs> Other than Wallies, because apparently mine's not Welsh. You've been listening to Rock and Roll in association with health and adversity, tackling mental health. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.